Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. The Mighty Sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I am the commercial Peel Sports columnist and uh, Twitter friend of Kirk Herbstreet, Mark Giannato. <laughs> I am joined by Tiger football beat writer Evan Barnes and Tiger basketball beat writer Jason Munns, our, our producer. Um, Memphis coming off... It's most impressive win of the year by far. How do far. you drop the Kirk Herbstreet thing and not explain? I mean, maybe well, there's somebody who doesn't. Oh, I will understand. in a second. Oh, okay. Trust sorry, me. Sorry. I didn't mean to trust me. I'll, I'm going to gloat here in a second. Delayed Lee, Jason. Yeah. Delayed. I'm going to gloat, especially if Memphis gets college game day. I'm taking some of the credit for that, baby. You have to. Of course you will. Um, but no, Memphis coming off its most impressive win of the year. 47-17 over Tulane. Whooped them. Uh, yeah, whooped them. Yeah, they sent the, you know. That green wave, I don't know, is there like a, a wave uh, they analogy it a, here? They washed it away? They, or? I don't know what a good analogy would be for this, but other than uh, Memphis took a whooping stick to Tulane, really kind of brought Tulane down to earth, made Tulane look like your typical Tulane team, really. And this is not your typical Tulane team, which it speaks to how good Memphis looked. And... Um, you obviously had Kenny Gainwell with a monster game, a game 22 years in the making, if you will. He had more than 200 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing. That hasn't happened since 1997. He became the first Memphis running, first Memphis player to rush for more than 100 yards and and have more than 100 receiving yards in a game. He's got five straight 100 yard rushing games now. I mean, he is a bona fide star. Um, and I have a story up at commercialpeel.com now. It's gotten to the point where um, it's gotten to the point where it's not about how does how does Gainwell fit in when Patrick Taylor comes back. It's how does Patrick Taylor fit in when when he comes back because uh, Gainwell. I mean, he just he looks awesome. And Brady White had his best game. Um, it was just a, a resounding performance, Evan, and it really, it really, for the first time, I think the biggest takeaway was the first time. It was the first time this season to me, Memphis looked like a team that could win an AAC championship. I think so. The Navy game showed some hints about it, but this game from start to finish, right after Tulane scored, I felt like Memphis took control the minute that Austin Hall picked off Justin McMillan with probably the. F- fourth or fifth best play of the game because Gainwell had so many of them and Magnifico had that great catch. But once Hall made that interception, it felt like this team was clicking on all cylinders. I mean, off the offense looked as good as we've seen it all year. Uh, Mike Norvell said that was Brady White's best performance as a Tiger. Um, the defense shut down an offense or limited in an offense that was ranked very highly in the country. 
held them below their average. They did not allow a hundred yard rusher after Justin McMillan had that great forty one yard run in the first on his first drive. And special teams again did his job. Adam Williams, quiet as kept, had another seventy yard punt near the end of the game. So this was as complete as they've played all year. And I do agree with you that if you're looking at this game, they could be raising the AC title if they play like this the rest of the way. Well, and obviously it, it by winning this, you now created you've raised the stakes of your subsequent games. There's this game this weekend at Tulsa that I actually think is pretty tricky because of what looms ahead of it, the SMU game and what I referenced at the beginning. Um, what we found out on Monday is that SMU game one could end up being the primetime ABC game that Kirk Herbstreet calls. And when I mentioned it on Twitter and and uh, used his Twitter handle in the tweet, he responded, let's do it with the, I believe, cross, cross fingers. fingers emoji. So Kirk is in. He, he wants to be at the Liberty Bowl in a couple weeks it's kind of like it for him with the jet, you know, it's like 20 minutes from here to Nashville. So uh, I can see why he's a fan, but also he probably this. I mean, it would be a if Memphis and SMU take care of business this week, that would be a gigantic game. Um, but then there's also the the possibility that college game day comes here in addition to having that primetime ABC slot. Um, really, it appears the main competition would be the the world's largest out, outdoor cocktail party, uh, Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville. Um, there's also, I believe, Washington, USC. Washington, Utah. Washington, no. no it, yeah, it's, it's or, yeah, Washington, who is it? It's Oregon versus uh, someone in Washington versus someone. It's Oregon, Washington, and then USC versus... Um, Utah, maybe something like that. Whatever, some some Pac-12 game that honestly Utah, Washington, Oregon, SC. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah, the Oregon SC game seems like the 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 other threat, um, just because Oregon is pretty good this year, um, and so it. My gut tells me, one, my gut tells me that Memphis beats Tulsa, but I do think it is a trickier game than it appears on the surface because I think Tulsa is better than their record suggests. And, and let's also consider this. Besides that SMU game where they were leading by 21 in the fourth quarter, they were down 17 to 13 against Cincinnati in the fourth quarter before Cincinnati. They played up. Michigan State tough early in the year. Like it's a, They have a good defense, and I, I just think it's a tricky game for Memphis because it's sandwiched between these two big home games. Um, SMU has its own sort of trap game with a road game against Houston on Thursday night. So both teams have to take care of business for all this game day conversation to really matter. Now, that being said, my gut tells me both teams are going to win, but game day is going to go to Jacksonville and we're going to get Herb Street and Fowler calling the Memphis SMU game. I think we're going to, we're not going to get the, the, the grand poobah, if you will, the the giant party, um, but we will get we will get a marquee moment, if you will, with a Saturday night ABC game, Memphis and SMU and the AAC in the sp- national spotlight in prime time on ABC. That's what my gut tells me. But hey, I hope we get game day. I've I've been to game days before. It, it's a lot of fun, and I know Memphis would show out big time. 
for something like that. And think about this. I mean, we're talking about this now ahead of the Tulsa game, which you said is going to be a lot closer, but it has a little bit more fun to this week. Like, hey, everyone's talking about, like, well, what if they win? And there's speculation. So there's more excitement for this Tulsa game than there probably should be for a team that hasn't won an AAC game this year in Tulsa. So it has a little bit you, more. You, to- you call the excitement? For Tulsa, I think people. No, I, I, no, I think no, no. What I'm saying I have is, a feeling a lot of people talking about game day don't even know Memphis is playing. Tulsa no, no, no. I'm saying week. like I'm saying from yesterday with everyone talking about like, hey, could game day come? Like, there is something to look forward to with this Tulsa game. Besides Memphis being a double digit favorite, is if they win this game and SMU wins Thursday, it's possible we find out on Sunday morning or Saturday night. Oh yeah, we'll know Saturday night. Yeah, we might. So honestly, that if I was a Memphis fan, I'd be looking ahead to this Tulsa game. Like, hey, if they win. This is what's at stake next week. So Evan, they, Memphis can only control what they can control. You know right? what? The team can control what control. We are the media. We are the <laughs> overseers who look over and give people perspective. No, it'd be. I mean, honestly, it'd be one of, if not the biggest moment moments in this program's history. I, I, if they got game day here and ha, and had an ABC seven thirty or six thirty kickoff. With her, you know, the number one crew in the country essentially calling the game. Um, it's a gigantic moment for this program. Who's your guest picker if game day? <sighs> That's a good one. It's like, I, I think Penny is the obvious choice. I, I, I think you end up with Penny unless you can, like, unless like Timberlake wants to fly in for it right. or. I can't think of any other Memphis celeb who yeah, I'd really I really want. I think that would be the easy play because Penny's right here. They can get to him. It Those two are the most obvious to me. So I I want to at least throw in a third that's like, you know, who? not so obvious. I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's Lawler. I'm opening you up. You could have the, the king. You could have Ooh. the king. Um, that's a good. That's, that's a good, good one. Good choice. I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't know who the third one. Would I feel be. like you'd rather have Penny than the king. Maybe Leslie Jones. Is, is she no. not from? Uh, Come on, Leslie Jones. I just she's not even on SNL anymore. Well, I mean, no, she, like she's a Ghostbuster. Go, if you're gonna go actress, you're going Sybil Shepherd or Kathy Bates. Wait, 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 Sybil Shepherd, really? <laughs> to this generation? I'm just saying that she's bigger than Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones right now is bigger than Sybil Shepherd. Leslie Jones is a Ghostbuster, Mark. Yeah, disagree. Hard, oh, hard pass. She's a Ghostbuster. Hard pass on Leslie Jones. Well, right. wait a minute. To be fair, Leslie was born here, but she moved to L.A. and was raised there. So let's not. If they went somewhere else, I could go with like Priscilla Presley. Could do that. Pris- go that route. That could work. And um, yeah. Elvis did love football. Now so you could also go. You know, like Young Dolph, Moneybag. I don't know if they're yeah, quite big enough. Nah. Yo Gotti. Not enough national recognition. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, I think Black Walt, Boy Waller, JB. None of those guys are quite big enough. You know? I do no. think you're right. Penny or or Timberlake are the two. Those are going to be the first two calls, I think, for for game day. But um, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. Apparently, Shannon take. Doherty is from here. What? What? Morgan Freeman is from b- near here. Is from near here. Lucy Hale. I don't okay. Know who Nobody knows who Lucy Hale is. A name sounds familiar. I don't know Lucy Hale, but whatever. Let, let's let's not get too far ahead of this. So here's what I'm interested in. So let's go. Let's 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 backtrack a little bit to the Tulane game because they looked so good in yep. that game. Yeah. And I, I'm Mike mentioned after the game that they made some tweaks offensively after that Temple game. And I'm curious, Evan. You've gone back and watched the film, and you talked to Mike on Monday. 
How would you explain what they did differently in that two-lane game that, frankly, helped Brady White play the best game he's played at Memphis? So I watched the first half again, and there were two things I really noticed. One, they used Gainwell a lot more as a receiver. They lined him up as a receiver and used Kylan Watkins in the backfield, which gives me hope that when Patrick Taylor gets back, there will be a place for Gainwell on this field. We knew it was going to be the case, but that will be a case going forward. But in this game, what they did was they put Gainwell as a slot receiver, and he just torched the secondary. He got open, and basically whenever he was lined up as a receiver, they looked his way, and he was able to go downfield and be a downfield threat as much as, say, DeMonte Coxie or Antonio Gibson. Another thing they did was they also put Calvin Austin in the slot, and that was why Austin was able to break free for those two touchdowns because his speed as an All-American track star for um, the Memphis track and field team, he was able to kind of just get open because they just put that speed out there. And Mike did say that they wanted to put that speed out there since they're going to, since Tulane was going to play man coverage, they were going to use their speed as an advantage to get another receiver out there. And at the radio show on Monday, usually Mike doesn't reveal too much there. It's usually kind of a recap of what he's already told us at the uh, weekly press conference. But he did say that for the first time in his coaching career, they went to 10 personnel. Now I'll break that down. If you don't know, that means one back, no tight ends, four receivers and that basically allowed Memphis to get out in space put more receivers in, the, in out there for Brady White and it spread the offense out which allowed Brady to just pick apart this two-lane secondary well what's interesting about that too is I think one of the biggest things that changed in this game is you saw in the Monroe and Temple game Brady White had pressure in his face a lot he was getting hit a lot and he was relatively clean in this game the O-line played much better but from from listening to Mike, it sounds like it's not because they gave them more, you know, more help, so to speak, whether it be tight ends or running backs helping blocking. It's more that they spread out Tulane's defense so much that, you know, they weren't able to put that many guys in the box. Um, but it was a great game for the offensive line as well. It was. And I think for this group, again, we've talked about how much before the season this was a question mark. They allowed seven sacks last year with that experienced group. They allowed none this year. I think this was their best game as far as just how they kept Brady clean. Yeah, and now, I mean, we, it, things yeah, – it's funny. The Temple weekend, it seemed like everything went against Memphis, whether it was the replay reversal, the the game in general. You know, Boise State comes out and blows out uh, – blows out uh, – Hawaii. Hawaii, and then this weekend it seemed like everything broke Memphis's way. They they come out and look fantastic against Tulane. Boise State loses. It now appears that I guess Appalachian State is technically ahead of Memphis in the rankings right now, and they're undefeated in the Sun Belt. But it really appears because of how good SMU and Cincinnati have played that Memphis once again controls its own destiny in terms of all the goals it has for this year. It obviously controls its own destiny to win the AAC West. If they win, if they, if they beat SMU um, and they beat and they, if they win out, they're going to go to the AAC championship game. And then obviously if they win the AAC championship game, I, I really think in that scenario, which would include them having beaten SMU Cincinnati and then whoever they face in the AAC championship game, I my gut tells me that a one if they're a one loss champion in that scenario, even if Appalachian State goes undefeated, which would involve them beating South Carolina, 
Um, on the road, I should point out, at now, South Carolina. Yes. But, but now let's – if you go transitive property, Appalachian State beat North Carolina, who beat South Carolina to start the year. So – I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ruling out App State going undefeated. I have a feeling they won't, but I'm not ruling it out. But I still think in that scenario, I think you know you. We'll see. It it will come down to the playoff committee how much they value an undefeated record. But I think the AAC is so much better than the Sun Belt that I think a one-loss AAC champion would, would get the nod there in that scenario. I would agree with for that. The, for a New Year's Six. Bowl. I'd agree, and also consider that if Memphis beats SMU and Cincinnati, both of those teams will be ranked in the top 20. As of right now, SMU is 17 in the coaches' poll. Cincinnati is 18th in the coaches' poll. So if Memphis were to beat both of them, those two wins will look more impressive, I think. Yes. Well, it's important that those teams are like – End up like ten and two this yeah. year. Yes, they can't. They can't drop a couple games in addition to the Memphis game. Like they need those teams to remain like ten and two type teams. Right. Now SMU schedule looks pretty favorable to where, and I'm pulling this up because I have this here. If they beat Houston, let me see here. I have this here. I think their schedule set up well for SMU not to lose too many games. But I believe after Memphis, their next toughest game will be Tulane in the season finale. Yeah, well, but I think the toughest one's going to be they have to play at Navy on the 23rd. That's right. Navy doesn't lose much at home. That's right, yeah. Um, Memphis is the only team in these in these scenarios that has all of its tough games at home. That, that's where Memphis has an advantage over these teams. Like Tulane's schedule. Now, obviously, they have the tiebreaker over Tulane, but Tulane's schedule is real tough down the stretch. Um, and then SMU has two straight road two straight road games here at Houston at Memphis. Then has ECU at home. Then at Navy and then Tulane at home to end the year. And so three of their last five are on the road. And yeah. I guess Memphis is the same way. But Memphis's yeah. road games are South Florida, Houston, and Tulsa, Tulsa yeah. um, which is easier to me than Houston, Memphis, Navy. Right. So. We sort of glossed over this uh, earlier that Kenneth Gainwell was the first player in school history to rush and receive for 100 yards. That is mind-blowing to me. That's mind-boggling. I mean, That I'm, D'Angelo never did. Yeah, or, or Daryl Henderson. But those were, I mean, but Daryl Henderson more than D'Angelo. Those D'Angelo offenses were very run-heavy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think part of it is... Daryl, a lot of times, didn't get the tight. Like, Gainwell got a lot of snaps the other night. Yeah. yeah. Daryl, because he was teamed with Patrick Taylor all the time, right? Um, w- didn't get quite those snaps. But it, it is remarkable what Gainwell is doing this year. And, and I hope you'll read my column up at uh, commercialappeal.com because um, there's, some, there's an interesting backstory to, to how and why he's here and what motivates him. Um, including, you know, he's basically playing for someone who can't play, um, a brother of his. And it's an, it's a pretty interesting story. But, I mean, yeah, he's become a star. I mean, there's no there's no getting around it. Um, We've all sort of been uh, rumbling about this the last game or two. But, I mean, the track that he's on, is he is – he, I, I think the stronger argument is that he's a more complete back than any than, – than most – running backs in school history, but is he, I mean, a case could be made that with the track that he's on, by the time he's done, he may be the best ever at Memphis. Uh, 
I know. I listen. D'Angelo Williams. Angelo Williams. Let's 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 let. He ha, he has had a fantastic like five seven, game yeah, stretch. Yeah, just fantastic. And if you think to, he's to, only going to get better, you're going to have to do it over. Mold. Like, let's get back to me midway through next year. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I'm no, dead serious. I agree. But 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 it's not crazy to think about yet. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's great. He's, he's great. He's really, will, really good. I will say this. He is on pace to have the best freshman season that any Memphis back has had. Now we'll see from there where it goes. But, I mean, it's possible. But that's lofty company, Jason. I mean, the, I know. It's but it's at least... What's amazing is the guy never played wide receiver or running back before this year. Yeah, he was a quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. The first time he played true running back was in that Mississippi-Alabama Acc- All-Star game. According to his father... His father thinks he could be a college quarterback. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not based on what I saw in yeah. the uh, state championship game back in 2017. Gotcha. <laughs> according, to, according to Curtis Gainwell Sr., he can really throw that ball. No, he can't. He's, he's left-handed, and, and, he, and, he, and he had a great... I'm surprised we haven't seen... Like I, I'm surprised we haven't seen... You might. Not a Wildcat package, but like a, a true... like. Tim Tebow type package for him at some point. It feels I mean, like listen, something you could incorporate that would be really effective. Don't put it past Mike Norvell to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, he likes doing. He's run the Wildcat before, but I'm talking like a Tebow package uh, where yeah. you actually yeah. maybe throw the ball a little bit, right? Too. Um, I'm sure it's in that that bag of tricks somewhere. And then we didn't even really mention the defense, which struggled initially against Tulane, but really did a nice job. Uh, Really, it's become a trademark of this Adam Fuller defense. Like, it, it they're not perfect, but they seem to make great adjustments in game, which is something that did not occur previously yeah. under the previous regime uh, defensively. Um, like, they give up some stuff, but they but it seems like Fuller and his staff have done a nice job, sort of fixing things on the fly. Uh, yeah, and honestly, I st- after that first drive, we were worried, okay, here we go, Justin McMillan's going to run wild like we thought. McMillan scores that touchdown, but really, <laughs> Tulane's offense was just handicapped the entire game. And now, granted, they were without two of their running backs. One of their, their leading rusher, I believe, was out of the game. They knocked The defense knocked out Corey Dauphine, but... I also think, I think Fritz panicked a little bit in that game. I think I think Memphis got rolling offensively, and he and he went away from... Like McMillan running the ball is is kind of one of their best things, and he kind of went away from it too quickly. I thought because, Me- but that was a product of. I mean, Memphis scored on its scored touchdowns on its first five possessions of the game, and he felt forced to kind of start chucking the ball, and that just is not the no. formula that's going to work well for Tulane. Yeah. So, um. Like I said, a resounding win, a win that really gets Memphis back on track. Uh, like we said, they control their own destiny. Uh, when we talk to you next time, we may be talking about college game day. I think there's a good chance we're talking about Kirk Herbstreet calling a game at the Liberty Bowl. I thought you were going to say Kirk Herbstreet calling you to talk about the... Well, maybe I can get my bud Kirk on the phone. I don't know. We'll see. Um, the BFF. Yeah. Um, but... It'll be. It's going to be a fascinating week. Um, let's hope Memphis does not fall prey to the dreaded trap game here at Tulsa. Because, like I said, I think this Tulsa team, while they aren't good, I think they're better than last year, and I think they're good enough to win if Memphis uh, p- 
plays like doo-doo, if you will. Um, so we will have plenty of coverage this week. Oh, before we go, Patrick weekly Patrick Taylor update, Evan. What yes. is, is he going to play at Tulsa? He is a real option, according to Mike Norvell. Um, Mike said that he was doing conditioning drills on um, Sunday at Sunday practice, which is a good sign. This is probably the best prognosis we've gotten from Mike about Patrick Taylor's status and saying that he could play. He did not fully clear him, but we will see. But this is the first time he said he is a real option. And the Tigers will also be without um, leading tackler Sanchez Blake, who had that injury in the first quarter. He's out indefinitely. He'll miss this week. So big loss for the secondary, but we'll see who steps up. All right. Well, make sure you check out uh, commercialappeal.com for updates on Taylor status, as well as uh, all sorts of goodies uh, as we head into this Tulsa game. Uh, Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much, and enjoy your week. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.